0: When trying to entangle the jingle from the jangle It's easy if you listen with your heart gang welcome to the real housewives of riverdale the podcast where grown-ass adults take sexy teen murder mysteries just as seriously as you do i'm your host sheree and today we are discussing season two episode five of riverdale chapter 18 when a stranger calls so this is in reference to a 1979 horror film starring carol kane who you probably know as lillian from the unbreakable kimmy Schmidt. Or Valerie from The Princess Bride, which, God, I love that movie so much. Um, there was also a remake in, I want to say, 2009. I don't know. Um, but anyway, the IMDb description reads: A psychopathic killer terrorizes a babysitter, then returns seven years later to menace her again. <laughs> I think this is the movie where we get the line, the call is coming from inside the house. Um, I think so. Like, that sounds right, but I could be wrong. Obviously, I've never seen it. The movie poster says something to the effect of, like, the most terrifying film I've ever seen. As quoted by someone whom I assume has seen, like, a lot of terrifying films. I don't know. But just something not, (laughs) something that I won't be checking out. Um, But if that's your thing, you know go for it. If you're not a humongous wuss, dude, watch it. Watch the remake. I don't know. Live your life. Who am I to tell you what to do? So this week's episode picks back up with a surprise phone call from the Black Hood to Betty that ended the last episode. He forbids Betty to tell the police, her parents, or even Jughead about the call, blah, 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 boring stuff. If she does, let's just say he knows the exact location of the farm where super boring and super pregnant Polly is hiding out. So, but he didn't say anything about not telling Archie. So Betty asks Archie to walk her to school, which apparently he is now welcome back at like immediately. (laughs) I think this is like the next day and he's just like, welcome back at school because he wrote a letter of apology and posted an apology video that thankfully we don't we're spared from viewing that because it was probably goofy as hell and shirtless and not hey not saying i don't want to see kj as shirtless that's something i will never <laughs> say out loud for sure or like in my head or in any way because yeah he is awfully beautiful but At least we don't have to see like some half dozen awkward half-dressed teens because that was that was not fun so since she can't tell anyone else about the black hoods booty call betty blabs betty blabs that's hard to say to archie all about it on the way to school um meanwhile across town on the heels of like the big sharks versus jets rumble from last week the serpents are just like over being jaded with the north side and are starting to get actually fired up at school which i mean i know there's like no real authority here but they're at school reviewing how to make a pipe bomb like uh i just i feel like maybe if you're gonna um commit acts of terrorism you should like do that in your home i don't know school's probably not the right venue for it I'm going to turn my air conditioner on. Hope you guys can't hear it, but it is a little toasty in here. they S- sweet pea and Fogarty deliver like loads of exposition about what happened at the rumble and that Dilton was actually stabbed with his own knife and that Veronica pulled a gun and all this stuff. And, um, Jughead's like, what happened? And then he sees the pipe bomb papers, and oh, they're gonna blow up the Riverdale register because they're done taking Alice's shit. I'm like, whew, guys, I know you're upset and you have every reason to be upset, but pipe bombs are never the answer. And this has been your PSA. So Betty's phone rings again, and we have now been conditioned like Pavlov's dogs. But instead of like mouthwatering, we immediately get panicked because we know that that lollipop ringtone is reserved for the Black Hood. That song used to hold such a special place in my heart. And I know I've, I've gone over this well before, like in time, but not before in episode history. This is the problem with going back and doing recaps in the, in the summer after the season happened. <laughs> when you decide to start a pod- a podcast middle of the season that's um not the best choice but so anyway if you were following along chronologically with this show and not necessarily um publish dates of these episodes uh, this is so dumb and doesn't matter but anyway when I was in fifth grade I was chosen amongst like five or six other girls to sing the lollipop song um at our like school's 50th anniversary pageant thing and it was a big deal and I got to wear a poodle skirt and stand up in front of like what felt like a million people but I'm sure it was like 10 you know um everybody's parents and stuff and we sing lollipop lollipop oh lolly lolly lollipop bum, bum. it was so fun but now when I hear it my butthole clenches tighter than Betty's ponytail before entering the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Like, that song legit scares the hell out of me now. And I just. Real effective work, Riverdale! <laughs> but also, like, that tarnishes my childhood some. So, anyway, the Black Hood tells Betty and. What he doesn't know is that Archie's there listening. But he tells Betty that he'll email her. And, like, couldn't they trace his IP address from his email address or something and, like, figure out who he is? I mean, I know this argument has been made, like, a thousand times on a million different shows, including Pretty Little Liars. But, like, seriously, isn't that a thing that you should be able to do? Like, I don't know. But... If she publishes whatever this email is in the Blue and Gold, then she can ask ask him any question she likes. So they open the email, and it's an old front page of the Register um, with the headline "Southside Teen Arrested and Released on Bail." The accompanying photo is none other than a very young, very Twin Peaks Alice Cooper Z- Riverdale title card. Oh, I love it. Okay. So, let's move into Jughead's plotline. Jughead realizes that FP was actually the linchpin in keeping the gang in line. So, he'll have to step up and take his dad's place to prevent the serpents from going to war. That is, if he survives serpent initiation. The first stage is the guardianship of the beast. Dun, 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 which is just hot dog. And yay, hot dog! I mean, I love it. <laughs> love that damn dog, and apparently it's hot dog of the third, huh, who, who to thunk it, but also, I mean, if this is going to be part of your, like, badass biker gang's initiation, shouldn't it be something scarier than, like, that shaggy dog, I mean, like, surely someone in that trailer park has, like, a Rottweiler, or, I don't know, a Dalmatian, because those fuckers are actually scary, and don't let, uh, Paw Patrol fool you, they'll bite your ass, um, <laughs> that's that's been your your nugget of dog info for today but like really the only scary part of that step is when they creep into his room like a bunch of creepy creepers and those crazy ask crazy ask Wow crazy ass snake masks it's a lot easier to write down in your notes than it is to say out loud apparently Anyway, in the next stage of initiation, Jughead must memorize a series of serpent laws and then just, like, scream them into tall Boy's face. Why? I don't know. Maybe losing your voice is part of becoming a, a serpent. Um, and all this seems, like, pretty fucking lame until Jughead has to run the gauntlet, which is basically just getting jumped in, like most street gangs we've heard about in D.A.R.E. presentations. Um, oh, and when Jughead has to grab a knife from oh my god, I can't even get through this, from the, you know, that, like, albino rattlesnake from season one that's coiling around, it's, it's in that tank in the middle of the, of the white worm, which I assume, it, like, the snake is the white worm, I don't know, there's something there, <laughs> but, um, the snake's coiled around this knife, and he has to reach into the tank and get the knife, and eesh. I mean it's venomless its venom glands have been removed which is that a i assume that's a thing that's real i don't know but christ almighty no thank you oh and i would be so amiss if i forgot to mention what happens right after jughead defeats the snake so he's bitching about it because like of course i mean he had to like he got bit by a fucking rattlesnake of course he's bitching about it and tony says you're almost a serpent now juggy Um, excuse me, ma'am, that nickname is reserved for Betty, the fandom, occasionally Archie, but, uh, no, 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 not you. (laughs) Nothing against Tony. God knows I love her. Those pink streaks are life, her whole attitude, her boots, her fucking fishnet nylon wear. Good God. I love me some Tony Topaz but no ma'am you may not use the nickname that his girlfriend uses for him Uh -uh. uh-uh uh-uh nope you just go right on over to timeout miss Tony Topaz (laughs) so Betty Betty is torn we kind of come back from commercial seeing how Betty is torn between publishing the front page and not because if she did publish it, it would be a total dick move to her mom. On the other hand, Alice is being a huge dick to Betty. So Sheriff Keller reports that there are two different, that the handwriting specialists, which if you are into true crime at all, you know that handwriting specially, uh, it's bullshit. Anybody can fool them. Like it's, it's so not a science. But anyway, he says that, they determined that there are two different people wrote Alice and Betty's blackhead letters. Alice accuses her daughter of writing the message she received herself and with that Betty's like eat a bag of dicks mom. She does that by uh, publishing The mugshot, which is great. And with that action, Betty has earned the right to ask a question. So sorry if my voice is just, like, awful today. I'm in a real weird place post-cold where I kind of have my voice, but I kind of have it. And I've, like, had a terrible work day, and it's only 11 a.m., but I've had to already use my mom's voice, like, six times on the phone, so sorry guys um you don't get the smooth vocal stylings of sheree atkins that you're so used to i know um anyway the black hood won't let betty ask his name obviously so she asks if he if she would recognize his face and he's like uh um the writers haven't decided yet so uh long pause yes (laughs) sure you would recognize me. So even though she already prepaid for this like half-ass information, he then gives her a task like as repayment for it. I don't know. I don't understand the um, economics of, (laughs) of serial killers, I guess. He says, I'm selfish, Betty. I don't like sharing you with other people. And she can start cutting Veronica. So he's... She needs to start cutting people out of her life. And she's going to start with Veronica. And if she doesn't cut them out her way, he'll cut them out his way, which I guess is killing them. And, uh, you're not killing Veronica. Sorry. No, sir. I mean, you tried to kill Fred and I thought I was going to have to riot. You cannot kill Veronica. I will riot. I will go insane. Um... So there's one thing that I think is crucial here. Given Sheriff Keller's findings with the handwriting being different, if we assume that that science is um, useful here, the person who's calling her might not actually be the Black Hood, right? Like, just from the way his inflection is, albeit, you know, through the voice box thingy, it sounds an awful Cheryl Blossomy to me. I mean, that might just be the tone of the script writing and not necessarily the voice actor, but there are a few times when he's like, oh, Betty, and that kind of sounds like Cheryl. Not saying she's the Black Hood, not saying that she would actually do this and hurt her friend, but we've already seen Reggie impersonate the Black Hood when he came to deliver drugs to Archie's house. I I don't know. It's weird. Um, Probably not the voice actor, just, um, I don't know it's kind of bonkers. So let's move over to the Lodges. Um, potential of potential investors for the Lodges' Sodale project are in town to attend a swanky open house. And most importantly are the St. Clairs and their son, Nick, who is Veronica's old f- friend from Manhattan during her bad girl days. So Veronica's parents encourage her to sell Nick on the deal, on the Sodale deal, because he in turn will sell his father. That's a thing I'm sure that happens in real life. So, Nick St. Clair, let's talk about him. This fucker is basically an updated Chuck Bass with curly hair. Like, did he wander off the fucking set of Gossip Girl? Does he know what show he's supposed to be on on the CW? I mean, holy shit. He's so inappropriately flirty with Veronica, all smarmy. He offers Veronica and Archie a bump of Coke. So, Archie's like, no, I don't do drugs, but like you did buy Jingle Jingle from Reggie. I don't know if you ever used it, but like just saying, well, I guess we don't know for sure that it was Jingle Jingle, but he did buy uppers and, you know, like quit being so high and mighty, Hayseed. I hate that. Anyway, I honestly can't believe this name, this character's name isn't like buck chass or something because he is so Chuck Bass. Um, Such a bass hole. That is my favorite line from Gossip Girl. Anyway, Nick invites the whole gang including the Pussycats, Reggie, and Cheryl to a party in his hotel room where everyone sits in a circle while Nick regales them with a long boring anecdote about Gal Gadot because even though this episode aired in like Fuck, I don't know, October or November of 2017. Wonder Woman came out in the summer. Maybe Justice League came out about this time in the fall. I don't remember anymore. It's been almost a cool year. <laughs> well, it's been a hot year, but it's been almost a full year since then, and so much has happened. Um God, oh, 2018 has been bizarre. Anyway. Nick then opens his jacket to reveal a stash of Jingle Jangle. Veronica, feeling pressured to please Nick because of the business stuff and whatever, is reluctantly in, as is Archie, because that's his girlfriend, and, like, shes he's not going to let this douche take his girlfriend. So everyone's in except for Betty. And here is when we actually get a glimpse of the effects of Jingle Jangle. It appears to be, like, some sort of ecstasy or MDMA, maybe, I don't know. I'm, like, the lamest person ever when it comes to drugs. I've eaten literally one edible, and I didn't like how it fucked with my eyes. The end. Like, that's all that happened. I'm, I don't know. You smoke weed? Cool. You do you. Whatever. I, anything else, like, I'm going to say you should probably get help, but, um, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> the music gets louder. All the kids get, like, weirdly dancing and horny-er I guess I don't know um again I don't understand this drug at all but Cheryl is like flipping her hair around like she's in a white snake music video (laughs) Kevin just sits like in the splendor that is Cheryl's hair flipping you know around and he's just doing the robot um two references that (laughs) most of you are probably not old enough to remember. But um, anyway, everything about this scene is just hilarious. It's worth a rewatch. Rewatch. Good grief. (laughs) Um, Sober Betty is basically just like me every weekend from the ages of 18 to 20 when I was the you know the designated driver because I was underage and you know being the only sober person in the room could really inspire a person to take the opportunity to end a friendship because is there really anything more annoying than a room full of inebriated teenagers when you're sober no nope so Betty just fucking kills her friendship with Veronica announcing to everyone that Veronica is a privileged shallow airhead party girl and a fake friend who only hangs out with them because of circumstance, ouch, way harsh tie <laughs> Once everyone leaves, Nick summons the full power of the patriarchy and tries to take advantage of Ronica and her vulnerability. She rebuffs his uncomfortable hand seen advances and he calls her a tease because a fucking horse he does because he's the fucking worst. And when Nick threatens to sabotage the deal between her parents, if she doesn't comply and let him, like, pressure rape her, she slaps him. Hell yes, Veronica. Yes. Yas, queen. Okay, so let's move on to after the party. Just when we think we've started grieving the loss of B&V, the next friendship excommunication that the Black Hood orders is... No, don't say it chuck head by this point Betty is so crushed spiritually that she's just sitting on a bench under a street lamp like she's like in an Edward Hopper painting or something and her typical you know super high ponytail is in a low bun dear god we can tell Betty is hurting so the next day at school she's the circles in her eyes are, like, really intense. She's clearly not slept. Archie busts into the blue and gold office and is like, what the fuck was that last night? What are you doing attacking Veronica? And she's like, you don't understand. It was the Black Hood. He made me stop being friends with Veronica, and now he wants me to break up my Jackhead." Okay, maybe she didn't say it just like that, but that's, that's basically how I heard it. She begs Archie to do the dumping... Um, for her swearing that after all the black hood stuff is over they'll walk it back she's like we'll walk it back Archie we have to we'll walk it back and he's like you better hope you can because like that's that's real fucked up Betty so later on he breaks the news to Jug at his trailer just as the serpents arrive for their final stage of his of his initiation beating the hell out of him You think Archie might tell Jughead the truth about the Black Hood being behind the breakup? Um, You think he's about to be in like, man, we got to talk. There's, you know, he's about to like tell him the shit that's going on with the Black Hood and Betty so that Jughead can be in on it and he might be able to help but just the very sight of Sweet Pea and the other serpents compels him to hurt his best friend as deep as possible by saying, like, of course Betty wouldn't want to be with you. Look at who you're hanging out with. Oh, my heart. Oh, like, I know we have to go through this. They have to break up because we, you know, fell in love with him so much in season one. That's part of TV. That's especially part of, you know, Teen TV and stuff, but oh man, my poor little heart. Oh, and poor Juggy. And yes, I can call him Juggy because I'm in the fandom and I am not trying to like flirt with him or get him in my gang or anything. But <laughs> Juggy's like, but but I just saw her yesterday at Pops and she made out with me super hard and she was really fine except for when she was crying. Oh yeah, shit poor Juggy, poor Betty poor me I mean really I'm the victim in all of this. just saying. Alright, so at the Lodge's Fancy Pants Party for SoDale, which is basically just like a pop-up wedding tent with a stage, complete with, with servers wearing white tees, denim skirts, and novelty hard hats, I might add. I didn't notice that the first time I watched this, but boy howdy, I sure noticed it last night, and it was delightful. I love that little, little tidbit. I wouldn't call it an Easter egg so much, but just a little detail that is super fun. Hal Cooper shows up to cover the event alone for the register, telling Hiram that Alice decided to stay home and keep a low profile post-scandal. Sorry, not so fast, bitch. Alice Cooper was just waiting to make her glorious entrance in a low-low-cut, fiery red, floor-length, snake-print romper that's also shorts and has a cape and sweet Jesus. Oh, the finishing touch is this gold serpent necklace that like wraps around her neck and oh, it's amazing. And she of course like struts in slow motion to Thunder by Imagine Dragons because Riverdale is nothing if not constantly on brand. <laughs> and thanks to the season 1 finale, Imagine Dragons is just part of the cast of Riverdale now. <laughs> she um she takes one snide side-eye look at her goober of a husband and says, Oh, shove it, Hal. Yes. Also, I have so many questions. Does she just have this in her closet? Like, this amazing, like, couture snake print shorts jumper cape combo and the necklace or did she like have to go shopping at the Southside Serpent Galleria I mean oh my god I just love everything about this scene I just love it from Hermione's high bun oh my god she looks so amazing in that white dress to like Hiram's suit which is very crisp and even though I hate him as a character god damn Mark and looks good but oh Alice killing it yes so at the party nick apologizes to veronica for coming on to her the other night explaining that he's been in and out of rehab for the last few months and just when you think you might have some room in your heart to find compassion for this little shit, he slips a roofie into cheryl's drink And as the Pussycats, featuring Veronica tonight, perform Out Tonight from Rent, much to my delight. Oh, I would like to point out that Val is in this episode. She doesn't have any lines, but she's here. And hey, hey, Haley Law, welcome to the show again. I love you. I wish you got to be in it more. Um, But anyway, I loved it that they sang Out Tonight. A lot of people questioned it, and they didn't like it. And they're like, why are they doing this song from Rent? But you know what? Because they did it for me. I really think so. I think they were like, you know what? She's having a hard go at life. We're gonna give her this one. Because you know who was in rent and sang that song? Uh hold on. You know what? Fuck it. I'm just gonna talk. They're just gonna sit there. Okay, so you know who sang that song in the movie version of Rent? Rosario Dawson. That's right. And do you know what movie she was in? Uh Josie and the Pussycats. Yep, she played Val, I think. <laughs> I don't know, I haven't seen it. But still, I know that she was in that movie and she sang Out Tonight in the movie Rent and now Justine and the Pussycats are singing Out Tonight from Rent and it's all coming together. World's colliding. Oh, I love it. Anyway, but while they're singing the song, they, um, thank God, <laughs> they see this happen. And they see this happen to Cheryl, who's like barely conscious. And we see Nick like take her back to the Five Seasons and drag her up to his room. And at this point, all I can think is if he hurts one gloriously red hair on her head, I will fucking gut him like a fish. But thank God the pussycats see this happening from the stage. They somehow keep singing in the background. (laughs) That never makes sense to me. Um but they keep singing while chasing and bursting into a suite and they give Nick St. Clair like the same fucking treatment that Jughead is getting from the serpents with the advantage of high heels to kick with. During all this time we see it cut back and forth. We see Betty crying on her window seat in her room because she's you know, she doesn't have her best friend or her boyfriend anymore. We see Nick getting beaten up because he's awful and disgusting and a rapist and he should be. And we see Jughead going through the gauntlet, which is just a lot of like very strong boys punching him in the gut. till one guy at the end punches him in the face and he's like, is that all you got? And then Sweet Pea's brass knuckles crack. That was a thing. And with his brass knuckles, he fucking punches his lights out. And yeah, that was a lot. That was a lot of scene. So the girls give Nick St. clair they like kick the shit out of him. It's awesome. Um, after all that, Cheryl is determined to press charges for attempted rape and make Nick suffer. Thank God. Veronica is just disgusted by the idea of how many times Nick must have done this before. Um, then, so we'll cut back to the South side. Tony has brought over her DIY tattoo kit that, you know, just most teen girls have laying around on the bottom of their closet just, you know, whatever. She gives bloodied but victorious and newly single Jughead a rock and new serpent's tattoo on his shoulder. At least it's not on his neck like Sweet Pea, Th- thank God. Um, then Jughead and Tony, oh I hate to even say it, they make out to Harry Styles' Sign of the Times, which is a song I actually like, in his trailer in... God, like I said before, I love Tony, but I hate this so much. I hate it. So as Betty's grieving the loss of her friends um, and her boyfriend, her phone plays that fucking lollipop ringtone again, killing us some more. And she did her part with Jughead, and now she demands to know who the Black Hood really is. And like, girl, it's episode five. As if. But he directs her to an abandoned house at the edge of Foxworth, which is the gay woods, as we learned with Kevin. Um, where she goes alone, like, she's fucking trying to get murdered. Good God, Betty. Like, you could bring Archie. He knows. Tell him just to shut up or something. He won't. He'll goof it up somehow, but, like, don't go alone. Never, ever go alone, but she does, and when she gets inside this abandoned house, there's a black box tied up with a red ribbon waiting for her inside and inside it contains a black hood and over the phone the murderer black hood tells her to um to put it on and then turn around and behind her is like a mirror for some reason um and she's like why he says to show you that we're the same and then all of a sudden there's a loud creak in the floor and the music cue tells us to panic so betty just books it thank God, because who knows what would have happened. I mean, obviously they're not going to kill Betty, but like, shit. What if she got really hurt? But she and the Black Hood still have unfinished business. He knows that she's been telling Archie everything, so now he'll kill Polly and her whole family unless she names another sinner who deserves to be death by his hand. And she's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Why would I tell you somebody to kill? I i won't be responsible for another person's life. And he's like, alright, well, I'm just going to kill your whole family. And she's like, ah, Nick St. Clair. And I guess like if you have to give a name to save your family, the rapist is the obvious answer. So, good on you, Betty. Fine. I'm going to get Riverdale. Z- z- so, For the most Archie Comics moment, um, I'm going to go with the lollipop ringtone, I guess. I don't know. There was not a lot of, like, comic connections here. It was kind of a dark episode. (laughs) Real dark. Um, Everybody's a hot fucking mess. Everybody from Archie, Betty. um, I guess Veronica's well put together, but, like, you know, stuff in her life is crumbling apart jugheads joining a gang and it's it's real rough. Um for the best blossom burn. Uh well, I mean at least Cheryl was in this episode. I mean, I don't know what the writers fucking hate about her, but they've ignored her for several episodes and now they put her in just to be um assaulted. And to that I say fuck you, I guess. So there is my blossom burn. Um but I really can't think of anything like God, everything was so emotionally raw. Um, I I, I don't know. I'm sure Veronica gave some choice words to Nick. But, and he said a lot of ugly but kind of funny um, nicknames towards Archie. But still, I don't know. Nothing. I'm coming up with nothing. I'm sure you guys have something in. You can email me or tweet me or whatever. um, For... My good this week, we'll move into Good, Bad, Funnies. My good is just just that, like, you can tell Betty's, like, um, emotional well-being by (laughs) her ponytail in this episode. Like, it starts out up high, and then it just gets lower and lower and lower. And then it just comes out, and she just doesn't even have a ponytail at all in the end and like i just think that's awesome that as her emotional well-being declines so does her ponytail i feel like that's really good symbolism um the bad it just nick st Clair like as a person and i mean it was a good story and i'm happy that the pussycats beat the shit out of him and everything but i just hate that he is such a real enough person that it probably was not hard for the writers to come up with, even if they weren't plagiarizing Gossip Girl, um, I think we've all met this guy in life—the gross. I get everything that I want, and if I want your body, I'm going to get it any way I can. And you know what? Cheryl probably would have like consented to being with him because she was into him. He didn't need to roofie her, but I feel like he he got off on that. That's what he wanted. He wanted to have sex with her while she was unconscious. Even though she... I mean, I don't know if she would have slept with him, but... I mean, she was into it. She liked him. Oh, God, I hate him. Um, For my funny this week, not a lot of funny ha-ha going on in this episode. Um, (laughs) I guess... Uh, i'm gonna say when they're at the that weird party at the five seasons and when nick opens his coat like a fucking flasher and he shows them his pixie sticks and reggie's like i hooked him up it was me hey 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 guys remember me i'm a drug dealer i i sold him that that jingle jangle it was me (laughs) that's my funny um, if I was in the writer room and I had any changes to make, I would say if the Pussycats are to run out, wouldn't a sudden stop in the music be more effective and more dramatic than confusing everyone by having the music continue to play? Or is it like an Ashley Simpson thing and really Josie and the Pussycats have been lip syncing this whole time? Hmm? I don't know. For theories, I'm not going to say <laughs> anything other than once you finish the series and you figure out who the Black Hood is, you come back to this episode because there'll be so much that makes sense. Even though like they have said, the writers have said they didn't know who the Black Hood was really going to be yet at this point in writing and the actor had no idea. The person who winds up being the Black Hood didn't know until he like started filming the scenes where it's revealed. But once you figure it out, And once, like, it's actually, actually revealed at the end of the season, come back and revisit this episode, and you'll be able to connect so many things. Like, it's kind of awesome. Um, I really enjoyed watching this, um, after. Like, I was just watching it to recap for, for this podcast, but, like, it was actually really cool to see everything tie back together. So, they did a good job tying it back to this episode. There are some plot holes, um that we'll get over. Ashley and I will eventually when we get to like our season two recap, but, um, but this was a good one. So Sabrina news. Um, we had our big news last week that it was, um, that it will be launching on Netflix on October 26th. Um, not a single person has said that they want (laughs) to hear me recap Sabrina. So I'm going to say we're not going to do that podcast. Um, if you feel passionately about it and you're like, damn it, I should have said something or I wish somebody else would have said something, say something. Maybe it'll change my mind, but I have not heard a peep from anybody. And I know you're listening to these because I see the download numbers and I see how long you're listening. I can't see who you are or anything, but I do show that I get downloads in what country they're in and like how long you're listening. So I know you heard me like go on forever about it. Um, If you don't wanna listen to my voice, God I don't blame you. (laughs) So like maybe we'll just keep a little like Greendale corner at the end of our Riverdale episodes, um and just kinda recap a little bit every day. But you know what? I'm not I don't think I'm gonna go through with the whole thing. Uh for Skeet's Dad Graham Corner. I'm gonna go to my, my pictures to get all the information from this, but it was we can't, we can't have a dadgram, we can't have an Instagram corner at all without this. So Saturday was Cole's 26th birthday. Cole, Cole Sprouse obviously plays Jughead. And Lily Reinhart, who we all know by now is his girlfriend in real life. Um, last year she posted a very vague post about like, where we were all like, oh, they're dating. (laughs) her boating in real life but this time she posted a real picture like of his face from when they went on like a couple's vacation together in Mexico earlier this year and the caption says and if you follow any Riverdale fan accounts you've seen this and they've like turned into like weird poetry and it's so bizarre to me today's stan culture just like does not make sense to me but you know what whatever you do you people um <laughs> But her caption is, It seems as if the world would still be a stranger to me, if not for you. I'm so thankful that our paths intertwine to form this beautiful adventure. Happy birthday, my love. And it is super sweet. And Machen commented, So sweet! And with the heart eyes emoji. But Skeet, oh, sweet Skeet, he just posted two red heart emojis and... I just love it. And of course we will post this as like the episode cover. So if you uh, missed it on Instagram or like you, I don't know, have been under a rock forever and you want to see it, just go to um, the episode webpage, which there is a link to it in iTunes and should be in any other like listening platform that you you're listening to me on. Um, And it'll be there as like the episode cover uh and with that darling moment in social media history that will do it for this week's podcast be sure to tune in next week when we cover season two episode six death proof it's kind of a fun one the ghoulies are back there's a drag race betty works on cars it's fun um don't forget to subscribe rate and review positively please if you have constructive criticism or you hate me or whatever don't be afraid to share just do it somewhere other than itunes reviews (laughs) um not that anybody has but that stuff really does matter when it comes to people searching for riverdale podcast it certainly helps um if you want to chat you can reach me at Shreebe on twitter and instagram Um, I'm thinking about starting a separate Twitter and Instagram just for the podcast, but I don't really tweet or Insta very much at all. So I feel like I shouldn't have to, but maybe I will um, just for the sake of growing the podcast listenership. If you have any friends that are into Riverdale, tell them about the pod. Um, You know, I just want to make sure I'm doing this not just for my own like mental health because I'm going to keep doing it whether you like it or not if you want to keep listening to me cool but if you don't that's fine I'm going to keep saying it because I need to get these thoughts out I just think like you know there are probably fans out there who are not teeny boppers and they want to listen to this like older millennial generation's point of view on things and that's what we're here for so again you can reach me at sharibi and that's C-H-E-R-I-E-E B-E-E, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram. And you can email me any thoughts or skeet stuff or Best Blossom Burn or whatever. I know it didn't really have one this episode, even though we had Betty or had Cheryl. Goodness gracious, my brain. Um, but you can email those at Real Housewives of Riverdale at gmail.com. Um, until next week, just, like, don't answer the phone ever. Text her best, people. Bye. We'll make the winter springtime and jingle jangle sing time Right on to the summer and the fall So darling don't be weeping and please don't you be sleeping When I come creeping down the hall to sing goodbye